welcome to the Marketing Stir Podcast by Starista, probably the most entertaining marketing podcast you're going to put in your ear. I'm Vin, the associate producer here at Starista. The goal of this podcast is to chat with industry leaders and get their take on the current challenges of the market, and we'll have a little fun along the way. In today's episode, Vincent and AJ chat with Ian Johnson, the global COO at Kineso. He talks about how his role makes company visions happen and how a start in engineering eventually led him to a career in strategy. AJ takes his kids to see elephants and Vincent is excited to visit the Alamo. Give it a listen. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome. It's another episode of Starista's The Marketing Stir. I'm rocking Starista gear today. It's not every day I do it. I was like, I'm just going to wear this shirt. It's warm. Why not? So good to be here. Ladies and gentlemen, I, of course, am one of your hosts, Vincent Petrofessa, the Vice President of B2B Products and Partnerships here at Starista. First, Strista, who are we? You must be wondering. Well, maybe you already know us because you have so many amazing listeners. Strista, we are a marketing technology company. We focus on identity. We have our own business-to-business, business-to-consumer databases. We help customers utilize those databases to get new customers. We have our own DSP. Email me, vincent at strista.com. That is how confident I am that I can help. I just gave you my email. The other thing, and I say it all the time, that I'm confident in is A, our amazing listeners, and B, my co-host, ladies and gentlemen, from San Antonio, my CEO, Mr. AJ Gupta. What's going on, AJ? Hey, Vincent. Pretty exciting here. Looks like we will be seeing each other next week. That is. should Should be good times. That is exciting. Uh, you know, and thank you for saying that. I am always excited to come out there and see the team, have a little fun, talk some business. I get to see the Alamo in San Antonio um, every time I go there. Uh, I'm just kidding. I only went once. That's all you need to go is just one time, but it's good to uh, come down there. What else you, is new? Were you happy to see the Alamo or was it a little disappointing? Well, it was, I mean, it's there. I mean, I know it was history. It's, uh, it wasn't disappointing. I'm glad I saw it. It's one of those things. There was one time I was in Denmark and everyone said, you have to go see the statue of this mermaid, this little girl, she's the uh, mermaid. And it's a big thing. And I saw it, I was like, it's just like a three foot statue. It wasn't that exciting. It's just a three foot statue. And I think people wrote on it. But anyway, it wasn't quite that disappointing as the mermaid. Sorry <laughs> to our people in Denmark listening. But, uh, you know, I'm glad I did it. I'm glad I did it. Yeah, that was my feeling when I saw the Alamo. It's a cool structure, but it's not quite the uh, fort that I was expecting in my head, like a European fort. Yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't a fort. That's a good way of describing it. Any plans for the weekend? Uh, the usual got a couple of tennis matches, but uh, we are doing something fun in Fredericksburg. There is a elephant preserve um, Mm. that I'm taking the kids to. So it's, uh, you can pet uh, elephants and bathe them and whatnot. Oh, wow. We've been planning this for a while. So it's finally happening on Sunday. You just don't get to do that in New York City. That's just a whole different thing here. Um, they don't have like a pet the rat exhibit. I would not do that. Well, but, I think uh, the uh, cost for uh, the rent for elephants would be too high in New York. Could be just as the rent is high, uh, you know, everywhere in New York City. Uh, I am seeing my mother-in-law. She's coming to stay with us. <laughs> so that is fun. Anyway, what is fun is our next guest. I'm so glad 
we have this next guest on the podcast. AJ, you and this next guest, you go way back, but I'm just meeting him the last couple of weeks, and I am so intrigued by this uh, this gentleman here. And I love the company too, Canesso, ladies and gentlemen. I'm sure you might have heard of that. If not, you're hearing about it now. Please welcome the global COO of Canesso, Ian Johnson. What's going on, Ian? Thank you, Vincent. Yeah, plenty of stuff. Yeah, I was interested with your like your tourist tales and kind of the disappointment. <laughs> I'm from the UK, and I remember the first time I went to Stonehenge. This this like these druid built stones in the middle of nowhere, and uh, you you stand miles away from it. You can peer at it, and it's just big stones piled on top of each other. It was, and they they built a freeway right by it, so it was it kind of spoils the ambience a little bit. But uh, yeah, no, that was that was interesting. Yeah, yeah, it's always about when I, I did that same tour, I did kind of bath and I did, I did Stonehenge and you're right, it takes away from it when you're looking at it and then there's a, a 1996 Ford Taurus uh, driving by and you're like, wait a minute, this isn't, yeah. and it's, it's, you know, it's 2017 when I went, what are you still doing with a Taurus from 96, but I get it, I get it. It's uh, so glad you're joining us, Ian, uh, you know, for, for people who are listening yeah. Can you tell us about Canesso? I want to get that right off the bat because you're doing some amazing things there. So please tell the audience about it. Yeah, so uh, Canesso is the uh, tech technology company for uh, IPG Group. So we, we develop the technology solutions that are, are leveraged by the uh, different agencies and their clients within uh, the group. And we, we have a kind of a, a build and partner approach to that. So we, we work with some of the biggest ad tech and martech companies in the space uh, and we've built a solution that helps um, stop data sitting in silos so your planning applications can pass it to your audience solutions and kind of uh, vice versa so um, you know a lot of that is about automation making things work seamlessly but we also have some cool ip in terms of how we uh, analyze audiences how we optimize campaigns and stuff so yeah it's a pretty pretty uh, cool job to, to have i'm the coo there uh, so uh, that, that's pretty interesting. Yeah, my background's kind of product and engineering, uh, but as a COO, I, I get to have a, a broader view across the business. So it's a, a lot of fun. Yeah, so I, I want to get into that because being a global COO, you you know you're probably sleeping two hours a, a day because you're probably on calls all over the world. But Ian, talk to us about just you know a, a day in the life, some of your roles and responsibilities as COO at Canesso. Yeah. So, um, I mean, it's, it's a fairly classic kind of CEO, COO setup that we, we have inside uh, Canesso. You know, my, my boss, uh, the CEO, Arun Kumar, you know, his job is to set the vision and, and be the outward kind of facing uh, voice for the, for, the, for the company and kind of really kind of be that inspirational leader that he, he is. He really is. And, you know, my job's really to make a lot of that vision happen. Uh, you know, the day-to-day -day stuff, most of my time is, is focused on the solution set that we have. So, you know, the, you know what are we going to build, how we partner, how we integrate, where we're going kind of uh, deliver against that. And then uh, also on the services, so we have a big services team on, on the product and engineering side, you know, we're about 500 people or so. And on the uh, services side, it's 600 or so, uh, basically leveraging those uh, solutions that we deliver to, uh, you know, um, deliver outcomes for our, our partners. So that's kind of a lot of the day-to-day -day that, 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 that I have managing that uh, product and services organization. 
And Ian, uh, one of the questions we'd love to ask is, is kind of how you got into this field, how you got into this business. Did you study engineering in, yeah. in, in college? Talk to me about that. Yes, yeah, so I'm, a, I'm a real geek. Uh, you know, what's, what, uh, I, I stole a former boss's saying, which, which was basically um, uh, engineer by training, geek by nature. You know, I, I definitely fit into that kind of uh, profile. <laughs> And uh, yeah, so I studied uh, electrical electronic engineering at university, did a lot of kind of computer science, went into uh, telecom. So I did uh, uh, cell phone designs, designing cell networks. And, um, you know, I, I did that for like, you know, 20 something years and went all over the planet with it. You know, a company brought me out to the States, which was a lot of fun, set up networks across the globe and I just learned a lot. And I morphed from the engineering side into kind of more services, into marketing, into strategy. So I've got a, a fairly kind of broad kind of perspective of things, which was really, really useful. Uh, and then, um, you, you know, I, in the strategy unit, I, I, I decided I wanted to be a CEO. And I remember uh, my boss telling me, you'll never be a CEO. So I thought, screw you, I'll set up my own company and be <laughs> a CEO. And uh, so I, I did that, managed to get some uh, VC funding and then got completely addicted to the startup uh, buzz. The first startup uh, I did was, you know, I, I worked for a, a mobile carrier at that time. And uh, suddenly it was all about advertising. How can you monetize uh, your uh, inventory through mobile advertising? And there weren't too many players doing it at that time. So I set up a, a company to, to do just that. Uh, found some people who knew advertising inside out, you know, had them kind of co-found the company with me. And uh, yeah, I really got addicted to startups. So made some money, lost, lost some money, got to ring the bell on the NASDAQ. So uh, yeah, a lot of fun. And Kinesa didn't always uh, exist until recently. So how does, uh, what was the origin for it and how does it fit into the uh, current work structure? Yeah, so, uh, yeah, as I say, I was doing startups and then I, I did one that I actually lost a fair bit of money with. So my wife insisted, you know, give up startups for a while, get yourself a proper job. And <laughs> as luck would have it, I, I, you know, I, I, I don't know if anyone was uh, kind of overhearing, but I got a call from a recruiter uh, and they were hiring for um, Cadrian, which was the, uh, at the time, programmatic unit of um, uh, media brands. And so I, I came in and took a kind of a product job inside that. And it was it was basically, you know, um, delivering solutions for internal company people. At that time, it was a very small company from a billings uh, point of view. And, uh, you know, we started getting our own unique voice, uh, developing our own unique IP and, and made it bigger and bigger. That, that unit, uh, you know, we basically went into media brands and become the data and technology unit with inside uh, media brands and that got bigger and bigger and, and suddenly it was big enough to be a standalone company supporting the rest of IPG. So it was really an evolution out of that company uh, that I joined uh, 10 years ago and, uh, you know, worked closely with Arun Kumar, who's, as I say, a great visionary, got a great view in terms of kind of where we should be going. And, you know, really helped him deliver against that vision. So it's been quite a journey, I have to say. And what does the uh, ideal client look for, Kineso, or is it primarily serving internal agencies? No, so uh, we work very closely with the uh, clients, right? You know, that um, in, at the end of it, they have a business problem they're trying to solve. 
and um, you know uh, the bit that we bring is technology. And you know, as, as, as you know, uh, running Starista, uh, it's it's a uh, you know very you know it can be challenging for non-technologists to really kind of understand it. So we really work with the clients to kind of understand what we're doing, how we're doing it, why we can deliver better results. But it's always comes to the proof in the pudding at the end of the day. You know, let us show you kind of how it. it uh, can kind of grow. You know, obviously, we love all of our uh, clients. We love everyone. Uh, however, you know, uh, some clients are more driven by just get me cheap inventory. I, I want a lower C CPM each and every year. And actually, you know, our focus is more about getting better outcomes, uh, more outcomes, more, more quickly and uh, more cheaply. And if you have to pay a little bit more uh, on inventory to do that, but you, you close the sale faster uh, and cheaper overall. Uh, then our view that that's a better thing. So, you know, clients who are curious, uh, clients who are, are, are keen to try new stuff, um, you know, clients who are not scared by the technology are the, obviously the, the clients that we, we resonate best with. And Ian, you, you touched upon it a little bit when you were kind of talking about the almost in the birth of Canesso there, but can you talk about Canesso's role within the ad tech, martech ecosystem? Yeah. So, um, as I say, we have, we have a build and partner approach and, you know, what, what you have is you have, you know, really smart individuals who formed a company like, like, like yourselves and uh, you're trying to solve a particular problem and, the, and that's great. And, you know, having specialists work on a particular problem uh, really gets to a kind of a, a good solution for that. But it can land to kind of data islands. You know, there's this little silo of data over here and there's a little silo of data over here. And, um, you know, how what the definition of a campaign or a tactic in this platform can be different to how it, it moves. So, you know, what we have focused on is, is, is breaking down the silos. So if you have permission, you should be able to use data, whether you're in the planning function, the audience function or, or, or whatever. Uh, the, the challenge is, you know, everyone has a data dictionary, you know, how uh, the trade desk uh, define things is different to how you guys define things is different to how Google kind of define things. So you need a way to kind of translate between those things, you know, how, how the clients, how, how they look at their taxonomy of, of their product offerings and, uh, you know, what success looks like to them. Again, they have kind of different definitions. So being able to programmatically uh, um, transfer the lexicon between those things so that you can map according to the platform you're in. Those are some of the problems that we've kind of done and then uh, solved, should I say. And then the other kind of component is that optimization piece, right? Because, you know, uh, within the Starista platform, you can optimize very closely in terms of uh, how you're delivering within the Starista cloud, you know, within the walled garden uh, of Google, they do a good job. But overall, should I be putting more money into uh, the uh, Google or the inventory and campaigns activated through Starista? So having a view of, uh, above that, that you can kind of reassign uh, across those things, you know, those are some of the, the um, solutions that we have. Uh, obviously, you know, working closely with the agencies such as uh, media brands, you know, that they have particular approach how they go about media planning, as an example. And again, we help them codify it in, in solution sets. So that, that those are some of the things that uh, kind of we take on. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. Thank you for sharing that. And, you know, AJ talked to you about some of the ideal types of customers, but how would you say, you know, and we're always curious about this too here at Starista, how are you say you're able to measure, uh, you know, and whether you're meeting the needs of your customers? Yeah. So I think that's, I mean, that's one of the benefits of being uh, inside um, a, a, 
agency environment within uh, IPG because yeah, they, they have a lot of structure in terms of how they solicit feedback from their clients. They have regular um, satisfaction surveys that they have from the customers. So you can see it's improving, it's getting worse where, where it is. So obviously uh, the, there's that kind of component that we can kind of tap into. Uh, on the Canesso side, we've got a you know, strong uh, client success team. So they, again, kind of really help uh, have, you know, regular meetings with the customers so we can really understand in terms of what they like what they don't like uh, and then we we use the you know the, the the usage stats on the platforms what are they using how they um, uh, this feature that we thought was going to reduce the number of clicks to do a particular time uh, did it really so it's things like that which which again okay we're on the right track but we're not we're not on the right track so Ian, with the pandemic, we obviously haven't had a chance to meet, which under normal circumstances, I'm yeah. sure we would have run into each other at a conference by now. Uh, but you know, what are some of the areas within the company that have also been affected and what have you changed to keep operating efficiently? Yeah, it's. It, I mean, it was. It was. It was kind of shocking. I remember one day, you know, we we were in the office in San Francisco, and we we heard, you know, like oh, they were thinking about changing next. It's complete lock home, go home, uh, type of thing. And you know, I, I I don't know about things on your side, but you know, it, it's it's a, a big global operation, and holy crap, uh, IT really stepped up to the plate. I, you know, obviously. I'm good friends with the CIO in, in the company. So, you know, I've got a lot of time for the guy, but his whole team kind of really stepped up, you know, in, in some corners of the globe in India, you know, the office folk had um, uh, desktops, they didn't have laptops. So suddenly we had to get laptops where people could work from home. Once we did that, you know, they didn't necessarily have kind of Wi-Fi connectivity. Okay, great, we, we need to find a solve for that. Um, you know, we, we had dimensioning issues with the, you know, the Teams uh, setup that we had. We actually migrated to Teams from, from, from Skype. So there was a lot of stuff done. And, you know, I remember when we were getting into the quarterly roadmap uh, cycle, uh, as part of that, we actually measured sprint velocity, how much did we actually get done against kind of what we we're planning. And it was shocking to me, quarter after quarter, actually, the um, um, productivity didn't change. It, it truly is quite amazing to me. You know, there was a lot of, uh, you know, the social kind of components. So we had like virtual happy hours, you know, we were, um, you know, really trying to recreate some of the um, environments where we could kind of just just chat with our colleagues. So that, you know, I think those are a lot of the kind of the positive stuff that really worked. Um, it took us a while to learn that, you know, it's okay to have camera off days. You know, initially it was, you must be on camera. We want to see you. Uh, but, you know, sometimes, you know, it's just a bad hair day and you just don't want to turn the camera on. <laughs> uh, I seem to be having more of those as, as I get older. But anyway, uh, so, yeah, it was, it's been quite a learning Um so I, I, it's been really, really, I've been really impressed with the team and how they've kind of managed the productivity, how we've managed the check-ins on stuff. Um, you know, as the, uh, you know, as people are able to travel, we've, we actually opened up uh, the US offices uh, last week to enable some kind of meetings. Yeah, I, I have noticed that, you know, some of the more difficult conversations that, and as, as well as whiteboarding that, that, you know, there's been a bunch of things that just 
stacked up and it has been really really useful to kind of um, start to kind of meeting in person to have those difficult conversations have those brainstorming sessions so I do believe you know the kind of hybrid way of working uh, where you know you're no longer expected to be in the office you know five days a week um, I, I really think it's going to be much more mixed between the virtual and the in presence I, I think it's actually been you know a, a really good learning experience. Yeah, this morning our uh, office internet was down and we come in a couple of times a week and uh, it was very strange having a call on a regular conference line. <laughs> yeah, <that's right. laughs> it's been about a year and a half where we'd all been doing this call and it had always been on Zoom. So yeah, <laughs> yeah it's uh, definitely a changed world, but I agree with you. I'm also surprised by the uh, productivity staying up across uh, all companies, including our own. So. Yeah, great. And in, what are some of the other challenges uh, in a pandemic aside that uh, your clients are facing today that you keep hearing about? Yeah, I don't know. I, mean, I, I, I put it down to two, right? Yeah, one's the perennial problem, right? If you're the chief marketing officer, your job is to drive growth. How can I get growth? And you know, it's, it's amazing how quickly and strongly the economy's kind of recovered. So, you know, everyone wants that share of voice. Everybody's trying to uh, make sure that their um, stuff kind of sends out. So it's it's a perennial problem. And as media gets more and more fragmented, it's, it's you know, uh, people turn to data and technology to kind of really get to the audience that you're trying to get to. That's that's a perennial problem. I think the new problem is the the you know the the news about identity regulator action. Uh, those are the things that are kind of new from uh, concerns that were new. They've been around for a year or so, I'd say. Uh, you know, good news that kind of Google delayed uh, their announcements, but uh, sorry, they changed to deprecate the third party cookie. But it's still top of mind uh, for for clients. And it's a really difficult thing to help people navigate through, well, this is what that means, that announcement means that. So we've had lots of client outreach and lots of kind of client uh, education uh, systems so they can understand what's going on, what our approach is to do uh, uh, and, and how we're uh, evolving our identity solution uh, to, so to make sure that we can uh, have addressable audiences in the future as, as the regularity changes and um, you know third-party cookie changes take effect. And you've been in the industry a long time so was it always the case with the regulations or is that something you've seen come up more recently under scrutiny and how data companies and media companies operate? Yeah, so so it has been changed, and the um, you know GDPR I think was the the kind of first kind of real wake up call. I mean, in in the good old days, which aren't so many uh, years ago, you know, we really separate out between the Martech world where things were driven off of email addresses or uh, you know uh, you know postal addresses and so forth. And then there was a whole different world, which is the ad tech side, where it was all about pseudo, pseudo anonymous. You were tying it back to a cookie identifier, uh, such a, a cookie which was temporal and would disappear over time. And so there was kind of very different rules on one side of the fence versus the other. But as soon as you get to GDPR and all of a sudden there's, there's, it, it, there's as much scrutiny on the cookie side of the world as there was on the kind of the email and uh, uh, email address side of the world. The, a lot of those barriers, okay, you, you, you've got to um, um, uh, 
uh, protect the data just as well. You've, you've got to make sure you've got the consent to be using it for the purposes. Uh, it's not only having the consent, but proving you have the consent. So the whole kind of audit trail of stuff, if they want to uh, revoke that, how do you make that happen quickly? So um, those, those are the changes. And I, I think the, the bit that is difficult is um, you know, no, no law is perfect, right? So there's a lot of interpretation of what the law means what is happening in California now other 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 states what's happening in China is a lot of you know holy crap uh, how, how do you make sense of all of it so I, I think there's going to be a lot of fragmentation caused by some of this regulatory inconsistency happening across the the globe and I, I, I'm hopeful that it will reach a point of consolidation and consensus in the future to make things easier but at the, at the moment it's, it's very fragmented and, and that's a bit that I think is is, is different and Ian you know g given your your title as global COO and and given what we we're just talking about as far as uh, international relations um, what is Canesso's international presence and uh, you know Talk to me about that and also what's your strategy for international growth? Yeah, so um, the uh, so we, we have a, a product engineering service shops in about 12 countries. So we, we have people we employ uh, directly ourselves, Canesso Solutions in about uh, 12 markets. Uh, we work very closely with uh, Matakind. Uh, that's uh, our sister agency that uh, drives a lot of the addressable media activation and, and we, we pair a lot of their um, solutions. They're present in about um, 30 markets. So uh, our solutions get to be used uh, heavily for those. And then there's the other IPG companies who use uh, different parts of their solution uh, and they're, they're in about 60, 60 markets. So uh, we're truly global uh, from a point of view of who we serve. Um, the, the difference, though, is that as our products have reached greater and greater maturity, we're putting more of them directly in the hands of the client. And so as soon as you move from that kind of managed service environment to a kind of more self-service environment, then suddenly you need local language support. You need to have turnaround times for tickets and stuff that's, that's much kind of reduced. So we're now at that point of evolution where we're putting more uh, into uh, local markets. So that's part of the transition we, we've, we've started. It'll take us a few years to kind of get there. As you may imagine, we're focusing on some of the bigger markets first to have that kind of uh, presence. Uh, obviously, we're, we're leveraging the assets of Axiom and Matakind, who, who are our sister agencies all reporting to Arun Kumar to make that easier. But it's that transition and you know what we do globally versus what we do we locally, how do we uh, localize part of the solution set. Um, you know, those are some of the things that we're uh, managing. We, we have big global hubs for the back-end service delivery piece, so we'll, we'll just kind of grow those out. But when it talk, means talking to a local client or helping a local client through, then, then you need local language support uh, and uh, you know closer in the uh, same time zone. So that's the evolution we're going through currently. And Ian, I was reading about a new community that you had launched there at Canesso called Canvas. You know, yeah. Can you talk to me a little bit about that? And for those of the people who are listening, that's K-A-N-V-A-S. Uh, Talk to me a little bit about that, how it kind of fits into Canesso's strategy. Yeah. So, um, yeah, as I say, I think, I think we're in a pretty unique spot in the ecosystem, right? We, we're, we're, we're trying to enable MarTech and AdTech to work seamlessly together. And, you know, we've got some pretty cool solutions that kind of help make that work. And um, 
what we've uh, found is that you know when when we work with companies, whether they're clients who've got their own tech stack or uh, whether it's uh, companies such as yourselves who we're trying to integrate into our solution, having robust set of APIs that you can kind of expose just makes that whole kind of process easier. So uh, what we're doing is exposing that, trying to create a developer community. And I think the, you know, if you look at some of the other kind of developer communities that you know, folks like uh, Google have, it, it's really just about working with the Google stuff. And then you have something completely different when you want to work with uh, Facebook, as an example. And I, th I think it's pretty unique having a solution that kind of enables you to uh, touch uh, more broadly a wider uh, set of solutions so that you can have that kind of seamless end-to-end. -end. So we think the developer community will be pretty unique in that area. We had a soft launch uh, last year. We had uh, three companies that we um, signed up. Uh, and uh, yeah, we've been slowly expanding that. We're now reaching to a point of maturity where uh, we can open up even more broadly. Uh, so that that's uh, what we'll be, what, what what we've been announcing. And you've worked at a lot of companies, startups, like you mentioned, and billion-dollar brands. Has there been an experience or two that's really shaped your career, or that's been very uh, instrumental uh, for your career? Yeah, I mean, I, I I think I think there's a few to call out. I mean, I was very fortunate early in my career. I had this this great boss, and he was like a real mentor. I mean, it was it wasn't just you screwed up here, you did that. It was he really helped me understand here are your core assets, and here are things that are kind of holding you back. And he just had a way of kind of bringing it down to help me focus on the stuff where I needed to focus. So I was very kind of fortunate uh, in in that regard. You know, and you know, I I worked for big companies, and then decided. Okay, I want to do my own startup, and so that that kind of moment when I got to ring the bell on Nasdaq was like validation that you know all the all the sacrifices I kind of put my family through, you know, self-funding startups, uh, was kind of worthwhile, and, and and that that was kind of a a, a big deal. And then um, you know uh, when we launched uh, Caneso uh, a, a couple of years ago, uh, it, it kind of took me back to when I first started at Cadrian. Uh, in the in a small product team, uh, you know, it was just a handful of us uh, at that at that time, and I, I remember, you know, people. This is an agency. We're not a product company. What are you trying to do, product in, <laughs> inside uh, an agency for? And again, the point that we'd reached a maturity where IPG believed enough in us that we could spin out as their own company within IPG Group. Uh, that that was that was very rewarding as well. It was kind of validation of the work of, of the team that everybody put in and Arun Kumar's vision. It was kind of complete validation of kind of what we'd set out to do. So that was that was really 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 heartening. That's awesome. In uh, one of our staple questions is about LinkedIn. So with your job title, I'm sure you get a lot of unsolicited messages uh, and connection requests. So you know what is a message that gets you excited that gets you to respond and what's one that you uh, really don't like or is a pet peeve yeah i don't know i mean i've, I've lived all all over the planet over, over many years i've been in, in different corners and you know I, I i i like to connect with people all and and go out and have a few beers but i'm lousy at following up and staying in connection as i kind of move out so I, I love the emails when it's somebody you worked with years ago, or I saw this post from you, or I saw that comment, and it kind of really just cheers me up that, uh, oh, great, you know, yeah, and so that is stuff, because I am so lousy at kind of 
maintaining my own own network. So thank God that other people don't have the same <laughs> deficiency that I have, and I, I really look forward to those. Um, the the ones that I hate is 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 very similar to that. Surprisingly, is when people who you don't really know pretend. <laughs> oh, we had a great. Oh yes. Oh, and by the way, I work for this company. Can you buy our product? It's like you know, just come clean, right? You know, start there. <laughs> don't don't try to build on a relationship. I met you once in an elevator. So uh, that that's um that, that's the that, that's the thing that uh, I, I I I I worry about. But. I, I like that answer. It's like Ian, my old friend. It's like you. I don't even know who you are. You met me at a booth for like three yeah. minutes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, Ian, talk to me about this. As we're we're getting to the close here, let's get to know you a little more personally. Uh, I know AJ in, in knows you, and we've gotten to know you. But tell our audience there, what are some of the things you enjoy doing in your personal time? Uh, hopefully, people are also watching this when we put it out. Ian has it looks like three guitars in the background, yeah. so. Oh, that there's must be some music tell us what you like doing in your spare time some hobbies interests yeah i must admit i, I well i said earlier right you know i'm a, I'm a geek so I, I i love trying to understand how stuff works you know and uh you know i i, I try to stay ahead of quantum computing you know what how, how are we going to save the planet from greenhouse gases so i i consume shitloads of kind of YouTube videos trying to explain this to me in, in language I can understand. So, you know, I, I really kind of geek, geek out on stuff. Um, you know, my, my kids are all grown up now. I've been married 33 years. So, you know, we, uh, we just like family time as well. So it was really hard in the pandemic when we can go out to restaurants or, or pubs and just kind of socialize with uh, friends and family. So uh, I, that, that's, you know, the thing that uh, I do, we'll, we'll spend many, many, many evenings doing. You saw the guitars, you know, I, uh, I, in my teenage years, I, I taught myself to play the guitar, which I wouldn't recommend. I would recommend getting a, 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 a tutor, but um, I loved it for a while. I had my own uh, uh, band and I was determined my kids would learn how to play music. So I remember sitting them down in, uh, in, a, in the morning when they were little kids, like play a bit of guitar and a sing along. And then my daughter, I think she was like four at the time, said, Maddie, can you not sing to me now? And it kind of just <laughs> broke my heart. So I, I became uh, like, like less enthusiastic about, about music in general. But I kind of dabbled away. And then I had a injury, a neck injury, and I, uh, I had a C8 nerve damage. So I couldn't really hold my two little fingers on my left hand, which was pretty devastating. I couldn't really play kind of guitar. And then it's one of the miracles of COVID. Right? I stayed at home. I could do my physio. I was sleeping in my bed every night. And all of a sudden, I could move my fingers again. So I've re relearned my love affair with guitars. So uh, I'm really enjoying it at the minute, i got to be honest with you. Oh, wow. I like, you know, it's just to have it come back to you like that. That's uh, yeah. amazing. Uh, does your daughter like sing your singing now? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. She may have uh, learned manners over the years and been a lot more diplomatic about what her dad is uh, good or good not. But uh, uh, yeah, her uh, her fiance is um, uh, also learning. To play, he's learning to play the guitar, so uh, we've been kind of jamming out. Uh, but uh, yeah, she's very diplomatic, and I don't know if it's because she likes it or uh, she uh, she uh, is is just being diplomatic. But. Yeah, you know, I, I experienced just today as I took my my four year old to school, you could walk them in, you know, with the mask on, of course, you could walk them into this one area, 
But my son was like, dad, do you mind? Like, you don't have to walk me in. And I was like, what? Yeah. Like already, I was like, isn't this when it's like you're a teenager, this is supposed to happen? Like, why are you doing this to me now? So that was yeah. my kind of stop singing moment right there. Yeah. But Ian, no, I was, and, oh, sorry, I'm go sorry. ahead. I was just going to add a story for what it's worth. But, you Please. know, when we first came to the States uh, and my, my, my daughter, I think we should like, Two or three, and uh, uh, you know, was, I was getting so sweet. We 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 had a somebody mind her for a while, and uh, for, for a couple of weeks, got home, and uh, my daughter said, "You guys, you, you just got to chill." And I was like, "Okay, we've been in the sites too long. We're going home." So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just just chill out, Dad. Yeah, chill, Dad. just chill. You're like, all right, this is too much American TV you're watching right there. So, Ian, fi final thought on, and uh, I want to get your thoughts on. You know, we talked about it before, and then I think it's a good way to kind of close this. Your thoughts on cookies, identity. Uh, I know that's uh, you know a, a wide topic there but i'd love to hear your final thoughts on just those two areas yeah i mean i i, I mean I, I think the easy way to talk about it is the solution that we've we've developed uh, and are launching uh, key which is the kineso intelligent identity and the thing is uh, as i was uh, saying earlier that there isn't a universal solution that is being accepted by the industry as the replacement you know, some companies are out there building solutions based on emails. You know, some uh, have more probabilistic techniques in terms of how you kind of get, uh, get to it. Um, others are trying to, uh, you know, have locally stored objects. There's a whole raft of kind of different solutions out there. So what that means is that, you know, in some cases you're sacrificing uh, reach. Uh, so you're not going to be able to uh, have such a large addressable audience as perhaps you enjoy today. In, in other cases, <clears throat> you're going to sacrifice some some accuracy so um you you may not be talking to exactly the uh, consumer that you thought you were talking to in in the past so what we've tried to do with kineso intelligent identity is to really um uh, work with multiple uh, partners in the space using these different techniques uh be able to dedupe across these different uh, techniques and then uh, filter the audience depending on the um, accuracy or reach that you trade off that you're, you're prepared to make. So that's the kind of vision of kind of where we're getting there. We've just launched the solution. So um, uh, we've, we've, you know, this is the, not the complete vision delivered, but it's, it's pretty, uh, a pretty robust solution uh, that allows us to reach the individuals again through technology that we've, we've built, but also partnered with uh, some of the leading companies in the space. No, that's amazing. I, I'm, I'm glad I asked. I would have been remiss if I didn't ask that. But Ian, this has been awesome. We really appreciate your time here at the Marketing Stir. We look forward to, I look forward to meeting you in person, having a beer, having a cup of coffee with you. And thank you so much for your time. Ladies yeah. and gentlemen, that is Ian Johnson. He is the global chief operating officer of Canesso. Be sure to check them out. Ladies and gentlemen, Canesso, I am Vincent Petrofessa. That's AJ Gupta. This has been another episode of The Marketing Stir. Thank you so much for listening and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to The Marketing Stir podcast by Starista. Please like, rate, and subscribe. If you're interested in being a guest on the podcast, email us at themarketingstir at starista.com. And thanks for listening.